Good morning, City Hope Church. That's better. Last group was still asleep, so it's really good. Everybody doing good? Yeah. You know, it's amazing that we're celebrating our 17th year as a church. However, this is our first celebration as City Hope. Wouldn't you like to do that in the natural? You know, do 17, start over in one, 17, start over. I mean, you'd live forever almost. You know, it'd be pretty good. We're so excited. Uh, this has been a tremendous week. I have to say thank you for all of you who were, you were so submissive in keeping everything off of uh, social media and all that good stuff last weekend until the right time, and then you blew it up, and uh, you guys just did a great job. I'm so proud. Uh, in fact, you, you really, in some of our staff members, you really established the faith that miracles can happen, so thank, thank you for doing that. And I want to say a special thanks to our staff. We have an incredible staff. They've known about this since December, and they've kept it undercover, and they did a great job. Plus, this last weekend, if you've noticed, we've relaunched, refaced everything, and what you see is small in comparison to what's internal with all of the documents and everything. Uh, it's just amazing what has taken place this week. Can we give our staff just a great big hand? You know, great job. Last weekend was a first, another first for us. We, we had uh, a gr- another grandson, and this weekend I have another first. It's, it's not a grandson, but it is the first City Hope check uh, that I wrote out. That, that was pretty cool. And you're thinking, oh, no, I made it Bay Community. It's okay. We got it covered. Don't, don't sweat. We'll give you a few weeks or whatever to get that all situated uh, and, and figure it all out. But it's just uh, been a, an incredible week. And, and if you missed last weekend, I encourage you to get online and watch this and, and see what's going on. Let me give you a little recap. Why change the name? Well, it's obvious that we've outgrown our current name. 17 years ago, we had no idea where God would take our church. And I feel like the next 17, we have no idea where he's taking us there. It's going to be that phenomenal. And as we've opened international campuses, campuses outside of our region, it's becoming more and more clear that the name Bay Community Church does not travel well. And it doesn't convey the size of the heart of our church. It doesn't, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't show where we're going as a church. And so it's time to make the change. And that name, it reflects uh, that what we're going to do in the next season. I cannot tell you how many people outside of the church, just in our community, have come up to me and, and congratulated. And th- I love the name. I love the word hope. Over and over and over again, people are relating to that word. It is the key word. The name is connected back to the greatest need that people have and only God can supply. The name comes from Scripture. Our hope is in Jesus. He said, be like a city on a hill, and we will become known as City Hope Church, formerly Bay Community Church. Can we give the Lord a hand? I know the name is not designed to grab you. It's designed to grow on you the next few days and weeks. It will do that because the name runs deep. And if there is one message everyone wants to be part of, it's hope. Whether it's in your family, your marriage, your church, your work, we, our heart as a church is to bring the hope of heaven into every city, every community, every subdivision that we're part of. No matter what corner of the earth we find ourselves in, we are a church bringing hope into life and to people. Uh, And we will not stop until we bring heaven to earth, until we're a beacon of hope for the lost. We're a dealer of hope to the broken and the hurting because hope is big. 
Hope is never-ending, and hope speaks to any and every culture around the world. And that's why we are so excited to be City Hope Church. Now, we need to think about what we're doing because what we are doing help us, it helps us to recalibrate the sacred. Maybe you're sitting and you're thinking kind of like Andrew did, you know, his brother Simon, his, Jesus changed his name to Peter, and, you know, he's 20-something years old, and I'm sure Andrew is thinking, I'm not sure I like that. I mean, I grew up, he, he was Simon, and, you know, so may, maybe you're, I'm not sure about that, the name, and I, I'm not used to this yet. It's okay. That's not a problem. But here's what I do know this. I know that nobody has put more heart, sweat, and investment in Bay Community Church than my wife and I, and we think God is in this. Here's why. Because the sacred overrides the sentimental. If anyone could be sentimental about a name, it it could be us. But you see, we're 100% on board with the future God has for us. The future is huge, and we are full on as City Hope Church. And I believe that this recalibrates what's sacred. This naming is recalibrating what's sacred. Because, listen, God never changes. But there should be things that should change in his church whether it's methods or buildings or locations or names or tools, they should change. What is sacred is not our name. What is sacred is our calling. What is sacred is that Christ gave his life for every person on the face of this earth. So we may have to rethink what we're doing here on the earth at times because we get busy and we're doing life and we're doing stuff. But we need to, we need to say, well, what are we doing? And let me remind you what Jesus said. We've shared it two or three times. He said in Matthew five sixteen, this is the message Bible. Now that I put you there on a hilltop on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives by opening up to others. You'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Now, Jesus, this is his first public sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And what he began with was saying, listen, you can have an impact on people when you do good things for people, when you're kind to people, when you're considerate, when you're loving. And and what you're doing with people is you're showing them the love of the Father. If you read the Sermon on the Mount, you can underline the term Father or Our Father, Heavenly Father, it appears 17 times in that one sermon. And that's big because God is only referred to briefly in the Old Testament as our spiritual father. But when it, becomes, when it goes into the New Testament, it explodes, especially starting out in Matthew. It just explodes. One of the things that we know in studying scriptures is that there are spiritual rules of interpretation that help you get an understanding on how a passage was meant to be interpreted. One of those guidelines is what is what we call the value of numbers so the number 17 is a very important number it's in scripture and it's identified with people in scripture the number 17 is always identified with people that are chosen that are called that are selected with a purpose it's like god put a stamp on this group of people and they have a certain purpose and they have a certain direction so for jesus to say 17 times In his message called the Sermon on the Mount, he's saying that God calls you into his purpose, but it begins with a relationship with him, Christ Jesus. So 17 is an incredibly important number. 
If you remember Joseph in the Old Testament, he was 17 years old when he was sold into slavery. And here's what you need to see. In spite of all the bad stuff that happened to Joseph, the, the bad stuff couldn't stop the blessings. So with all of the detours and all the bad stuff, it could not stop the blessing. In the book of Romans, it tells us that there are 17 things that cannot separate you from the love of God. Romans 8, 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, one, hardship, two, persecution, three, famine, four, nakedness, five, danger, sword. There are seven that cannot separate us from the love of Christ. But then Paul goes on in verse 37. No, in all of these we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Then he starts the list. He adds to it again in verse 38. For I'm convinced that neither death, eight, life, nine, neither angels nor demons, neither the present, 10, 11, 12, nor the future, nor any powers, nor any height, 13, 14, 15, nor depth, anything else in all creation, 16 and 17, will be able to separate us from the love that God has in Christ Jesus. Biblically, 17 is always associated with being chosen by God. We are celebrating our 17th anniversary as a church. And I like to look at this from this perspective. Jesus is using the term 17 times, our father, your father, a Jewish person sitting there listening to him in that culture. Here's what they would have recognized. They would have recognized that he's talking about being called into God's family. Let's look at the number. The number 17 is the sum of the, num- of the numbers 10 plus 7. In the scripture, the number 10 is the number of order. And we use it today to count with. It's so easy to count with by 10s and not by 11 and 12s and 13s and 14s. It's easier by 10. In the scripture, the number 7 is the number of spiritual perfection. It's associated with the Holy Spirit and the gifts and the things that God has given us by the Holy Spirit. So when you take 10, the number of order, and you take 7, the spiritual perfection, and you put them together, you have a very important spiritual number, and it's classified as a perfect number. Here's what that means. That means you cannot divide 17 by any other number and come up with an equal number because it's a prime number. I'll give you another place where 17 is really important. After Jesus died on the cross and he's resurrected, he goes to Jerusalem and he finds the disciples. They're in a room. He goes in the room. He encounters them. They see that he's alive. And then some of the disciples are saying, hey, we're going back home. We're going back to the Sea of Galilee. Not sure that we're going to be a disciple anymore. Not sure. We, we believe in you. Yeah, you're alive. We can see, touch, and feel. We know you're alive, but th- this is way too much. We're going back home. Some of them were fishermen. We're going back to Galilee. And Jesus said, well, I will meet you there. And so when he gets there, Jesus, he's on the shore of the Galilee, and he looks out, and there's some of the guys out in the boat, and they're fishing. And he hollers out to them, have you caught anything? And they said, no. He said, then take your net and throw it on the other side of the boat. They throw the net on the other side of the boat, and the Bible says that they bring in that net 153 fish. Now, why did the Bible put the exact number there? Well, when you look at scholars who have searched this out and they know the meaning, the the number 153 is, is associated with a term in the Old Testament, and that term in the Old Testament appears seven times. The term in our translation is the phrase, the sons of God. So you you would think that term would be in the Bible more than just seven times, but it's in the Bible in the Old Testament seven times. Each of those Hebrew letters that make up the sons of God, 
each letter represents a number in the Hebrew. In our language, an A doesn't represent a 1, and and a 2 doesn't represent a B. But in the Hebrew language, each alphabet also represents a number. So any word can also be a series of numbers. You can add them up, and you get a total number. That total number, that phrase in the Old Testament, Ben-Hi-Halohim, means the sons of God, and the number is 153. So when they caught 153 fish, they're catching the sons of God. So here's where 17 comes in, because I'm tying it back to our anniversary. Because 17 is a factor of 153. When you look at the number 17, what does it mean? One means unity. Three means trinity. Five means grace. Ten is order. You look at all of these numbers, and you put them together. But what is the number 17? What's the bottom line of all this? The bottom line of this number means victory. Victory. So here, here's what I want you to see. We, we, we have been a church family for 17 years. And I'm sharing this with you because I want you to see that God has this mind that is unbelievably detailed. And he puts all these little things and details and all this stuff, and it's in his word. And it's layer upon layer, line upon line. And if all of these numbers have significance, what you see is this. God is saying to City Hope Church, I have called you into my family. Jesus has brought you into my family And what I want you to know is that what you're doing and where you're going, you will see victory. You will watch, you'll see victory not only as a church, but you'll see victory as an individual. You'll see, in, you'll see victory in your home. You'll see victory in your marriage. You'll see victory in the church because I have, I have a purpose for you. I have a calling for you. This is not just some random year. This is a year of victory. This is a year of stepping into another season. It's a year of stepping into something else that God says, I have, I've had this plan for you for a long time, and you're stepping into it, and, and, and I want you to see the significance of this. Why? Because we live in a world where hopelessness is everywhere. Hopelessness in our world, it, it, it's just everywhere you turn. The, 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 the people having hope is, is such a small group of people. Most be, and here's, here's why hopelessness prevails right now. It's because we have become such individuals. We, we, we focus on individualism. We're going to do our thing. We don't want that. We don't want this. We, we want to kind of isolate ourselves. But you have to understand that when we put ourselves into that place, God is about family. He's called people to be in his family. When it's all said and done and it's all over, what does God get out of this? He gave his son. He set all this up. He created all of this. He's going through all of this for us. What does he get out of this? What's the bottom line? It's simply people. It's simply a family. That's how significant you are. In the early church, in the early church services, the Bible says they're kind of like a family reunion. You've been to a family reunion before? What do you focus on? You focus on seeing people, talking to people, and eating. Right? Get some aunt so-and-so and and grandma so-and-so and and some of that food you haven't had in a long time. Yeah, you you know what I mean. I mean, I've said if there were a way to take all of our campuses and put tables in the floor and push a button and all the tables pop up and food were put on the tables, we'd have a gazillion people in our church because people love to eat. And and, and they'll listen to you preach forever if they're eating, you know. It's like we got to have some food. What is church? Church is a place of getting spiritual food. It's a place of having relationship and friendships and relationships. It's a place where we come together. Why? Because we're a special group of people that God has called. We have a special calling to do a special purpose that he stamped on this church, and we're part of that family. And, 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 and listen, on the, on the birthday of the church, 
We call it the day of Pentecost. Peter gets up and he preaches and thousands of people are saved. Do you know why that church grew? Some people say, well, this and they've got all these reasons. Let me, let me tell you why the church grew when it, right after it was birthed. Because healthy families grow. Healthy families grow. Listen to me. This is what's happening in our church. Since Easter and through last weekend, over 500 people have been saved in our campuses. That's, that's what a church is supposed to work. That, that's, how it's, that's, how, that's the impact we're supposed to have. Why? Listen, a life-giving church. We are a life-giving church. We have something that people are looking for. In this series, Hope Changes Everything, hope is what they're looking for. But, but let me tell you how, it's, how it touches them. How does the atmosphere of hope get in? How, how, do, how does the influence of hope, how, 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 does it, how, how do you get a sense of hope because you come into a certain place? Here's why. Because there's a sense of fatherhood. Uh, understand, there's a sense of fatherhood. A father nourishes, protects, and upholds. I, Maybe this happened to you when you were a kid, or maybe one of your kids went through this, but maybe you had a classroom and there was a kid in that classroom who was a kind of always into stuff and, you know, and, and it was kind of a spoiled, rotten kid and didn't know what discipline was all about. And, and so the teacher would appease this spoiled kid and always let them be at the front of the line, the head of the table, the, lead the cafeteria table, be the leader on the, on the, on the playground. And so the, the other kids, you know, they, they, they're not leading, they're not doing anything. And so all the other kids who don't break the rules, their hearts are broken because they, they're doing the right thing and they're they're not being upheld a good father gives his children a sense of justice people are looking for a sense of justice we live in a world where there's very little justice we live in a world where a lot of people are doing wrong things and they're getting away with it so we look around at all of this stuff and we want to become individuals and we want to isolate. And that's not what God says. He says, no, I want you part of a family. And in that part of that family, my influence, my atmosphere as a father is going to be in that place so that when you come into that place, a place that you're craving security, you're going to find it. Because here's what you're going to find. You're going to find that I am there and when I'm there, there's justice. I, you can't change your world, but what I can do for you is I can give you a place where I uphold things. Here's what that means when he upholds things. That means he takes it and he holds it up. So living in a place of hopelessness, living in a place of despair, and you come in, and listen, it's, you know it's not about a building, and you, you know it's not about a pastor. It's about God and the love of God and the love of the Father. And what happens, it, it, it holds you up. He nourishes you. When you nourish your children, you're feeding them to strengthen them. So what does he do? He strengthens you. He's a loving Father. When you start sensing strength that comes from a God, and when you start realizing that he's holding you up above circumstances, all of a sudden, here's what the father will do he starts to encourage you if you're hopeless it means you are not encouraged if you're not encouraged it means you have no courage so what does he do the father will drop courage in you what's the courage the courage is like 500 people in the last few weeks who take hope in jesus christ when you take hope in jesus christ that is living let, let, let me say it this way let, let, let me say it this way let me give you our vision. 
the vision of our church, to lead people to become fully alive in the true hope of Christ. Fully alive in the hope of Christ. You, you could say it this way, this is living. This is living. In, in the hopelessness state, that's not living. Living in hope, that's living. This is living. Say it with me. This is living. So how do we keep this vision alive inside of us as a church? Well, we have values, or you could say beliefs. Let let me just share those with you real quick. Here's the number one. It's all about Jesus. We are unwavering in our belief that everything begins and ends with Jesus. Did you hear me? It's all about Jesus. Say it. It's all about Jesus. Here's, Here's another one of our values. Everyone is significant. You're more than ordinary. We love everyone. We believe in your potential. We want to see every person living in your purpose and your calling. Here's another value. We believe anything is possible. We believe in putting God-sized dreams into real-life action. We are right at home in deep, uncharted waters where only faith can sustain us, and we will never insult God with small thinking. Our God's not a small-thinking God. He doesn't expect us to be small-thinking. It's not about our four and no more. It's about a kingdom. It's about people. So we're not, we're not going to think small. Here's another of our values and beliefs. It's healthy things grow. We celebrate the process that we're helping to build healthy people, healthy ministries, that we're a life-giving church that embraces change. We facilitate growth. Here's another of our beliefs. You've heard this one. Life is better together. Authentic life, change, it happens in the context of relationships. Circles are better than rows. That's why we have fusion groups, to get you involved in in those semesters with small groups. Here's another one of our values is excellence honors and inspires. The only appropriate response to God who gave his best to us is for us to give our best back to him. Did did you hear me? Did you nod off? We're not going to give God second best, third best. We're not going to give God leftovers. I liken it to this. Lord, help me with this, that I say this right. I liken it to people bringing stuff to the church to have a yard sale. People, and this has been, this has been stuck in my heart for years, are people bringing stuff to the church that they don't use at the house anymore or it's half broken, but one speaker works here, we'll give it to you in the children's ministry. No, 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 that's not excellence. That's not excellence. And listen, let me tell you something. Excellence in this house is not about you looking at me and say, well, Taylor's really got it, you know, he's got his act together. Oh, no, no, no. Everything I do about excellence in the back of my mind, when I pick up a piece of paper on the ground, you know what I'm thinking? This is a reflection to him. So everything I do to him reflects back to God who is an excellent God and deserves everything we do to be in excellence, the way we handle ourselves, the way we speak, the way we project, what we look like, how we act, every aspect. Why? Because I want to honor the Father. Listen, our corporate world does it. You, 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 you go to Disney, you know, they've, they've got some excellence beyond comprehension. Why can't God's house? Why can't God's people? Why can't the church be that way? Oh, we can, but it has to be a belief. It has to be a value, and it is a value in our hearts. That's why we roll that way. And let me give you another value that we have is generosity is active. Generosity is active. Here's why. We are, con- we, we are contributors, not consumers. You, you, you saw the video of putting together uh, 247,000 thousand meals. In a few weeks, the team's going to Haiti to distribute those me- meals to children, to orphanages, schools. 
See, if, if, we, if, if we were consumers, we wouldn't do that. We, we would hold on to that. No, we're contributors. Here's what that means. That means we live a generous life. When we live a generous life, it expands our worldview and it motivates us to be like Jesus Christ. Why? We're the church and we exist for the world. It's not the other way around. We exist for this world. We are that, that city on a hill. We are those people on a, light, on a lampstand so that people can see us. And, 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 and here, here's where I want to kind of turn and land this, okay? So watch. I'm going to say a word. When I say this word, in your mind, you may have just a little bit of a, mm, uh, mm, don't like that word, but especially if you grew up in church. It's the word disciple. So you're thinking, yeah, I did one of those discipleship classes. lasted 442 weeks, <laughs> and I forgot everything in the first class because it never stopped. And, uh, or you may think, well, no, disciple, that, that's Sunday school. Uh, you know, what, whatever you're thinking. Listen. Disciple doesn't mean sitting in a class just learning something. It means experiencing something and being a part of it, and it changes us. In other words, you're bringing your actions in line with your beliefs. I I, I just listed out some of our beliefs. When I bring my actions in line with my beliefs, here's why that's important. Here's why it's important for you to believe and understand what the Word says and understand why we believe what we believe as a church. Only 9% of Christians in America believe in a biblical worldview. Now, let me tell you what that looks like. 9% of Christians make decisions every day based on what they know from the Bible or God's relationship. So that tells me that, that about 90% of Christians do not make decisions every day based on what the Bible says, what God says, what the relationship with Jesus says. We have to be discipled, not just learned. The vision of City Hope Church is that we show the world how to find and live this full life in Christ. Why? Because Jesus' creed, we we call it the great commandment, his creed is to love God and love your neighbor. But it's not just what we do, but how we love. Because you know you can do something with no love and you feel better like, okay, I did something. Okay, get out of my way. But when you have love and you do something, it changes everything. Because it's the love that sets the pace and sets the standard. It's not the thing that you do. It's the act of love that prepares the ground for the person to receive what you're trying to do. Are, Are you breathing? Are you breathing? So watch. We must teach people how to love. That's why we do what we do. That's why we do what we do outside the walls of of, of our campuses. That's why we do that. Discipling is teaching people how to love. Why is that so important? Because you, disciple, you are the hope for your community. You're the hope for your city. You're the hope for your nation. So you take the ideal of disciples are teaching and going out to love people and then you practice that love, you'll end up being a coach and you'll tell somebody else how to love people and help people and serve you. You'll teach people through love how to work through difficulties and life's problems. How many of you know when you're going through a difficulty and a life problem, the last thing you need is somebody there to tell you all the wrong things you're doing and pull out a list of all the scriptures you shouldn't do and should do. No, what do they need? They need to be loving you and supporting you and praying for you and teaching you how to find the love of God because without that love of God, you really can't do anything but walk through a formula and a formula won't change you. The only thing that's going to change you is the love of Christ being imparted in your heart. 
Here's what I'm trying to say. A student is an observer. A disciple is a player. If you're still a student, that means you're in the stands watching the game go on. If you are a disciple, you're on the field and you're loving people and you're sharing the hope of God and you're, you're, you're just walking around doing what you do as the natural thing. And, and listen, that is, called, that, that, that is called the great commandment. L- listen to what Jesus said. This is the message Bible again, Matthew 28, 18. Jesus, undeterred, went right ahead and gave his charge. This is what Jesus is saying. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life, marking them by the baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. I'll be with you as you do this day after day after day, right up until the end of the age. What is he saying? He's saying, church, go out of the walls. Church, go in your neighborhood. Church, go to work. Church, go to school. But when you go to school, go out with love. Do kind and considerate things with people. And and you can go. And listen, I'm going to pour out my grace and my mercy. I'm going to pour out my spirit of fatherhood on people. They're going to be attracted to that until the end of the age. What does that mean? That means the end of the end. What's the end of the end? That's the end when Jesus comes back again. Well, when is that? We don't know. So what are we going to do? Sit around and look for it? No. We are to be about the Father's business. What's the Father's business? Showing the love of God to people and letting them pick up a sense of hope in our lives that they want what we have and they find Jesus Christ. That's what he's commanding us to do. And when we do it, that's living. And I think we should live out loud. Showing people how to live and how to love. We all need somebody who has more oxygen than us, a little further along in life to help us and teach us and pull us along. Who are you teaching how to love? See, you you have to make a choice because tomorrow, some of you go to work, you'll go to work and you'll work with people you don't like. Some of you go to school and you'll you'll go to a teacher you don't like. Some of you are going to see your neighbor this afternoon and you don't like that neighbor. Maybe God put you right beside them on purpose. Maybe God put you in that job on purpose. Why? So that you could be a light on a stand and he just said shine. He didn't say go convert them. He didn't say go preach to them. He just said love them. And let me tell you something. When you love people with the love of God, it does something because there's no strings attached and you're not doing it with, with, without emotions. You're doing it with the love of God. And when you do that, people are just blown away and saying, why did you do that? Why did you act that way? I'm mean to you. I'm, I'm just telling you, it just, it just disarms the whole thing when you're not mean back, when you love back. What are we doing? We're being the church. And when we're all doing that together, we're loving God and loving each other, we transform our communities, we transform our cities. See, a life lived successfully and shared with others is the greatest testimony. That's the greatest testimony. City of Hope Church, our job is to go into our city, our communities, and love every single person. When it's part of our daily life, it will transform every city that we are in. Let, let me tell you about some transformations that God is doing. Let me, let me show you some things that God set up. God said, quit, you, you start praying for opportunities to open. These have opened up. They've come to us. God's, God's put them in. We're, this is a God thing. We're going we're to start another campus the last weekend of May. How many of you know it's May? We're starting, and, and listen, we don't need land. We don't need a building. We won't even have to pay electricity. No, all we're going to do is we're going to go in with a sound system, projectors and screens, 
a microphone, and we're going to go in the last weekend of this month, and we're going to start a campus in Holman Prison in Atmore, Alabama. When the doors started opening up to this, I didn't even think about it until just a couple of weeks ago, and the, like the Lord said, don't you remember the seed you put into this? The first four or five years, most of it, I was in a prison every, every, every month, if not every week, some three hours and four hours away. I was pouring into it. I loved it. I had a connection there. I loved the preaching. Of prayer. Just, and then we have guys here who have been doing it. We have a prison ministry and all that. But then God said, hey, listen, I'm going to open this door. God opened this door. And, and listen, it gets better. Because in Atmore, Holman Prison is maximum security across the streets, fountain, minimum. And then beside that's the work release. We're in maximum. And you know what we asked for? And they gave us? Can, can, can we take that service? They're going to get the worship. They're going to get the preaching. They're going to be welcomed just like another campus. Uh, and, 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 and they're going to see all that. Can, can we take that into death row? And they're going to let us take that service into death row. Every week. Every week. Listen. Listen to me. Let me tell you how God works. God says, yeah, I, I want you to have a campus in Foley, and I want you to have a campus in Mobile, and that's great and wonderful, but I don't want you to forget about the hurting and the broken. I don't want you to forget about those because I love them too. And what, you, what, what we have right here, he said, I'm going to give you the influence and open the doors, and we're going to drop that in right there every week so that those guys can hear the word, and they can worship, and they can know God loves them. To me, that is just unreal. It's just like God to do something like that and set it up. And it gets better. Let me tell you the better. I'll wait till next week. This is something else we've never done. We're going to adopt a church. Yeah, we're going to, we're going to adopt a church in North Baldwin County. We've never done this before. God started putting this, this together months ago. A young man who planted this church four years ago, about 175 people, same heart, same values. God just put us together. And, 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 and listen, there's a building that goes with it already. Look at this building. It's in downtown Baymanette. We're going to reface this. We're going to, they've remodeled the inside. We're going to go in. We're, we're, we're going to do some things there. And we're, we're going to have, we're, we're going to have a, a city hope there. And, and, and listen, listen. Here's what's so incredible. Didn't know this until one, one of the, one of the uh, teachers or one of the professionals in our school system came up and they work in that area and they said, you know what? So many of the children in this area that we go to and we, we're helping them emotionally and things, their dads are in Holman. Do you see that picture? Here's, here's families and people that need the love and the mercies of God. And here's a kid that needs the sense of a fatherhood, but the father may be in prison. So what's God saying? Oh, I'm going to put you right here, and I'm going to make sure the daddy's over there. He's going to hear that same message. It is so incredible to be part of, of what God has chosen a group of people 
stamped a calling on a group of people. It is so incredible to be part of that. And let me say this. It's going to extend to the nations. It's going to extend to the nations what God has called us to do. That's what it means to have a sacred calling on a church. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand. I'm going to pray. We're going to worship together a song before we leave. I want you to join me. I want us to give thanks to God for what he's opened. I want you to join me. Don't, don't leave yet. Just, just stay right here. We're going, to, we're going to worship together in just a minute, but I want us to pray together. Father, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for opening the doors. Thank you for enlarging our capacity. Thank you, Lord, for trusting us. And Lord, those people in those surroundings, in that prison, those people in that city, they're just as important to you as we are. And Lord, they're just as important to me as a pastor, whether they're here in Baldwin County or in Mobile or whether they're, whether they're in China, whether they're in Honduras or wherever they're located. Why? Because they're your people, your children, and you want them to sense the atmosphere of a loving father that will nourish them and forgive them and love them and pick them up and hold them and pour into them the same Christ that he poured into us. I thank you that we are part of this. I thank you that the vision of this house is bigger than we are. I thank you that the vision of this house is your vision. And we're carrying it and we're running with it and we're learning. But God, you have declared over this house that this is the year of victory. And the victory comes in our homes. The victory comes in our marriages. The victory comes in our finances. And the victory comes on the battlefield for lost people that we are going to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with. Thank you for that, Lord, because that is truly living. Give the Lord a hand clap.